Welcome to our 55th episode of Two Tankers and a Cat. We're your host, I'm Charlie. And this is Russell. Russell, we've got so much to talk about today. We've got new Patreons. We've got to talk about our trip uh, to the Military Museum. Give them guys some big shout outs. We're going to talk about Craig Moore and uh, Dr. DeWald Venter out of South Africa. He's a uh, specialist on uh, South African military vehicles and stuff like that. And he has a new book and we're going to be giving that a huge shout out. He sent it to us, but I haven't had a chance to read it. I just went skimmed through it and I cannot believe that he pulled some of the photographs of these vehicles and he, and he didn't sugarcoat his book. There's actually one in there where uh, landmine had blown it on its side and it's all tore up people you're you're gonna want to read this book yeah yeah it's pretty incredible i've already looked through it a little bit and yeah excited to go ahead and read it all and and we will have a review of the book probably in our next episode you, you know some of the things that i enjoy about like craig moore and uh dr dewald venter here they don't sugarcoat no and they don't put their own individual thoughts in it. We do. I, I admit, you know, I, I get angry. And, of course, you've, you know, got got angry at some of the stuff that we've talked about. And, uh, but they don't. They're, they don't sugarcoat it. They just lay it out how it is. And I think that's amazing. Yeah, it really is. Um, before we get too far into this, who was the, the guy at the museum? The guy that we talked to? Well, just kind of a background on the museum. It is the Museum of Missouri Military History in Jefferson City, Missouri. It's kind of tied to their uh, National Guard base, main National Guard base there in Missouri in Jefferson City. So it's basically a museum about the Missouri National Guard. Yes. Uh, yeah. Again, people are like unfamiliar are you know, our uh, people that are internationals. Uh, Missouri is a state in the United States of America. Missouri has an extensive history and has some wonderful displays in their Oh, uh, they do, yes. In their museum. Inside and outside. Um, we're talking about uh, World War II tanks. We're talking about some early Civil War stuff that was inside that just yeah. blew me away. Yeah, if you've never researched the Civil War in the United States, you should. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Looks like we're going to start a second one here oh, soon. Oh, man. Uh, uh, don't even want to think about it. Uh, you know, we could do a whole episode of what's going on in the United States right now, but I think we'll keep that to ourselves right yeah, now, for right yeah. now. Okay. Yeah, the Museum of Missouri Military History. It's actually dedicated to the preservation and exhibition of Missouri's military history. It's got current exhibits, including artifacts from revolutionary war to the present era and like we talked about it's it's got some neat exhibits both inside and outside some of the outside exhibits include an f-15 eagle fighter oh that was jet, awesome yeah the f-4 phantom 2 fighter that was a cool one. Oh yeah always is and they've got a sherman tank a sheridan mm. tank as well as a c-130 hercules yeah the c-130 hercules kind of was like what yeah yeah and uh the sheridan tank because y'all know how we feel about the Sheridan oh, tank. Yeah, what yeah. a hunk of taxpayer yeah. waste that yeah. was. But the Sherman tank, 
it, it was amazing. And yeah. they had uh, a captured PT, oh, I can't remember it, PT-46, yeah. but uh, they got that from the Iraqis. Yeah. So they had yeah. that out there, and they had a couple of other things that were just super cool. Oh, yeah. It, it just, just a lot to see there. It's definitely worth a... A day trip if you're close enough to Jefferson City. Um, make sure you look up the curator historian Douglas Sheely. Are we saying that right? Sheely, Shaley. I'm yeah. not. Yeah. But anyway, Doug was extremely cool. Yeah. He showed us the Revolutionary War stuff, and I'm like, well, Missouri wasn't a state. He's like, yeah, we still have the stuff, <laughs> and, and they have like uh, a uh, old. Uh, 1930s uh, officer car in there that they restored. Yeah. Uh, captured uh, German flag, uh, World War II. Uh, th- there's just oh, so much. He actually showed us a couple of two or three pieces they had behind the scenes that they hadn't quite got fixed up yet out back in the museum. And if his boss is listening, oh, no, no, yeah. he didn't. He didn't take <laughs> us anywhere where we weren't, weren't supposed to go. But uh, Doug, yeah. big shout out to oh, you, brother. Wow. Free admission, donations always accepted, but but yeah, thanks for taking the time, Doug, and, and showing us your collection. It's awesome. Now, we did do a video of the M60, and if, our, if you're not a Patreon and you're always like, hey, why have they never done anything in the M60? All our M60 stuff is exclusive for Patreon. Yeah. We don't talk about the Patreon. We just tell people, hey, you need to go watch our videos and... All the free stuff that the Patreon guys get on the M60. Exactly. And they are open. That's one of the big pluses. They're open year-round, but especially with all this COVID-19 crap going around, yeah. they are open. So, And they were very yes. it, They were very safe. They had their mask. Everybody was social distancing. Yeah. But again, the Museum of Missouri Military History. Say that nine times I, fast. I know, yeah. yeah. But... uh. uh they also had one of those uh, armored vehicles that we talked about. It's got a rocket launcher on it. You know what? Why don't you just go to the website? Yeah, go to their website, take a look, and I'll try to get some of the pictures up. I mean, actually, a lot of most of our pictures from this trip are on our Facebook page. So if you haven't seen those and, and uh, got several pictures we took. And of, our video on the Sherman yes, that we did, uh, yeah. the Sherman there is called the Little Mo. And people are going to go, no, no, the Little Mo was the battleship Missouri. No, there was also a tank. Uh, it's one of the weird tanks that they actually brought back from Germany or yeah. wherever it was. A, you know, they yeah. brought that back. And, you know, like we talked to Rob and Rob had said, no, the United States just left him there and yeah. g- gave him to who? This one, the Missouri guys were like, hey, we're not getting any tanks when we come yeah. back. So we're yeah. bringing this one back. Exactly. But, uh, uh, yeah, definitely give them a look. You're going to enjoy that. Gosh, what else? Oh, we went to Fort Lost in the Woods. Oh, uh, uh, I don't even Leonard. want to talk about that. Those crazy guys. Uh, they they, uh, they had looked at us and pretty much told us to go away. Beat feet. <laughs> uh, we showed up to Fort Leonard Wood in Missouri, and we went to the gate, and there was a very professional, I'll give him that, uh, security officer and we explained who we were and uh, that we had called and checked and we made sure the base was open he goes yes the base is open but not to visitors and i'm like well we're here you know to you know do a story on, on the he says 
you don't understand. I'm going to make it very clear. You're not getting on the base. I was like, okie dokie. Okie dokie. <laughs> well, we'll just go to the Museum of Missouri Military History and look at their tanks. So whenever this stupid COVID gets oh, out. I know. But we did see three tanks without getting on base. Um, they had three different m 60 Tanks there in St. Roberts, Missouri, just outside the base. And we learned an amazing amount about the M60. In fact, we were so confused. Um, I saw an M60. I'm like, man, that's a M103 turret. And Russ is like, well, maybe it's an old M60. It's not like the new ones. And I'm like, I don't... We end up sending text messages to Rob Kogan right then and there. Like, hey, Rob, here's pictures. What's wrong with this M60? And he goes, that, that's a new M60. Yeah. The one you've got is like the original old ones. And I'm like, yeah. But again, that's on our Patreon. Oh, it is. Yeah. Jo- if you've been holding off and joining our hey. Patreon, thinking that we were going to do an M- M60 episode or get really detailed, it's on our Patreon. Yep. We got some messages on our Facebook. And um, most of them are from uh, Dr. Venter. Uh, from South Africa, and he has this book, and we're going to do a review of this book. This is just saying we got it now. It's uh, on the African War series by Helion Company. Now, if you don't know what the Helion Company is, it's a very, very cool publishing company, and we suggest that you go to their site and buy this book. It's called The South African Armored Vehicles, A History of Innovation and Excellence. They have an entire series uh, on uh, Uganda, the Libyan Air Wars, uh, the Portuguese, you know, for our people in Portugal. They have one on Portuguese commandos in Africa, Angola, there's Western Sahara. There's so much that they have. And I am so anxious to start buying these books and adding yeah, them to my library. Just um, but it's incredible. the Helion Company. And uh, incredible history there. We suggest you buy your book through there. Yeah. You can get it on Amazon, uh, but South African Armored Vehicles uh, by Dr. Uh, DeWald Vinter. Uh, and make sure you tune in. Our review on the book probably won't be the next episode, which is the second episode in November, but yeah. it'll probably be the first or second episode in December. In December. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that would, we'll have plenty of time to sit down and look through it and read through it. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to yes, it. it yes. The cover is amazing. Yeah. Um, we also got kind of a fun book from uh, our friend Craig Moore. Uh, he and a guy named David, oh, I'm going to kill his last name. I'll, I'll just try. Bocoleta. 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 Boy, you know, when we get over to Eng- England. Know. Uh, Craig's going to be there. This David guy is going to be there. Uh, Ed Webster, Francis Pullman, and they're going to be have they're going to have cricket uh, bats, and they're yeah. going to just pound on us. <laughs> so, I think they're just all yeah. happy that we finally start st- stop saying jag yeah. and, and start using, using yag. So, but but yeah. Anyway, this book we will talk about this book more in detail in detail in the future. And, and Craig sent us uh, the German tanks of World War Two through that, because um, he writes for the Classic Military uh, Vehicles magazine. Magazine, yes, yes. And, uh, oh my gosh, if you guys don't 
know what the classic military vehicle magazine is. Oh, it's incredible. Yeah. It is so much. If you're, if you're into military history, man, this this has got a lot of information in it every month. This is when you graduate when you read their stuff, you graduate from being a tanky boy to an actual treadhead. Oh man. If you want to be a real treadhead, classic military vehicle magazine, go to their website. Yes. Yeah, go to this Helion and check out their African War series. Yep. Awesome stuff. It is. Now, we have some uh, new uh, messages on Facebook, I think it was, or do we have some new Patreons? We've got some new patrons through Patreon, and we will probably talk about those towards the end of the broadcast. Yeah, at the end of the broadcast All with right. our shout-outs. Oh, we'll give them shout-outs. Yeah, we will. Excellent. So, what are we talking about today? Today, we are talking about the Panzer Kampfwagen... Eight mouse. Oh, no. <laughs> All right. I got to bring up something real quick. Craig Moore sent me a text message, said that um, they've updated the military encyclopedia. The tank encyclopedia. Yeah. yeah. .com, yeah. Who, who, who's the guy that's updating it? Oh, yeah, yeah. Andrew Hills has just updated the tankencyclopedia.com articles. They're called the mouse, the mouse two, and soon there'll be a third called the Tiger Mouse, and uh, you know what? Andrew Hills is a good guy. Oh, yeah. And they've put together a great website with this tanksencyclopedia.com. So much information and all that. and Really, it is. Yes. Uh, um, do we steal their stuff? Yes, we do. Uh, yeah, we probably <laughs> borrow a little bit of it. Here oh, okay. <laughs> now, our, But that's how reliable it is. I mean, we... We depend on it. Now, our, other people do too. our lawyers here at the studio are going, no, you, they, uh, two tankers in a Canada is not responsible for anything that Charles Chama says. <laughs> All right. Um, so let's get started. All right. Well, we are going to do some listener suggestions on this episode. We actually got a episode, uh, you know, that the listeners said, hey, we want to hear about like the E100 and the mouse and the rat. And so I guess this would be our rodent episode. <laughs> uh, yeah. All right, Russ, tell us about our first point. This so, episode will definitely make lightning happy. So I forgot I, yeah, to add the cat element. I know. She's so, asleep right now, probably somewhere, but she'll be in here. Yeah, soon. As soon as we start talking about rodents, uh -huh. she'll come. The Panzerkampfwagen 8 mouse was a German World War II super heavy tank completed in late 1944. It is the heaviest fully enclosed armored fighting vehicle ever built. Five were ordered, but only two holes and one turret were completed. The turret being attached before the testing grounds were captured by advancing Soviet military forces. These two prototypes underwent trials in late 1944. The complete vehicle was 10.2 meters or 33 feet 6 inches long, 3.71 meters or 12 foot 2 inches wide, and 3.63 meters or 11.9 foot high. Weighing 188 metric tons, the mouse's main armament was the Krupp-designed 128mm KWK-44 L-55 gun. Based on the 12.8 centimeter Pac-44 anti-tank ar field artillery piece, also used in the casemate-type Tiger tank destroyer with a coaxial 75mm KWK-44 L-36.5 gun. 
The 128mm gun was powerful enough to destroy all Allied armored fighting vehicles then in service, summit ranges exceeding 3,500 meters or 2.2 miles. Wow. Okay. Now, is the mouse cool? Yes, it is. Okay. But a 128mm gun? Come on. Yeah. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Russ. Cal. The principal problem in the design of the mouse was developing an engine and drivetrain which was powerful enough to adequately propel the tank, yet small enough to fit inside it, as it was meant to use the same sort of hybrid drive using an internal combustion engine to operate an electric generator to power its tracks with electric motor units such as its Porsche design predecessors, the VK3001, the VK4501, and Elephant Head. The drivetrain was electrical, designed to provide a maximum speed of 20 kilometers per hour, or 12 miles per hour, and a minimum speed of 1.5 kilometers per hour, or 0.93 miles per hour. However, during actual field testing, the maximum speed achieved on hard surfaces was 13 kilometers per hour, or 8.1 miles per hour, with full motor field, and by weakening the motor field to a minimum a top speed of 22 kilometers per hour or 14 miles per hour was achieved. The vehicle's weight made it unable to use most bridges. Instead, it was intended to ford to a depth of 2 meters or 6 foot 7 inches or submerge up to a depth of 8 meters or 26 foot 3 inches and use a snorkel to cross rivers. The mouse was intended to punch holes through enemy defenses in the manner of an immense breakthrough tank while taking almost no damage to any components. Well, as a treadhead, I was torn on the mouse. As a tank fanboy, I was like, cool. But as a tactical historian, I slapped my forehead and was like, why would they build this thing? You know, the war's raging on, and they're like, hey, let's build a bigger tank. And... I'm like, you uh, know, maybe at that time you should have been building some Stugs uh, with an 88, more lightweight tank. I know. But no, let's let's build. Uh, yeah, let's build a four-story. Oh, <laughs> Good lord! Incredible. Okay, Russ, tell us about its development. The basic design, known as the VK100.01 slash Porsche Type 205, was suggested by Ferdinand Porsche to Adolf Hitler in June 1942, who subsequently approved it. Work on the design began in earnest. The first prototype to be ready in 1943 was initially to receive the name Mammut or Mammoth. This was reportedly changed to Mauschen or Little Mouse in December 1942 and finally to Mouse in February 1943, which became the most common name for this tank. Again, as a fanboy, woohoo, cool. You know, I can't wait to, you know, go to the Hobby Lobby or Hobby Shop and buy a plastic model and put it together. Yeah. In fact, uh, my brother-in-law, Ron Pugh, bought me a model and put it together and brought it to me. And it's the mouse. And it's so cool. But uh, just too much. Just <laughs> to actually, when the war's raging and... I don't know. Uh, Rush, you go ahead. The mouse was designed from the start to use the electric transmission design, which Ferdinand Porsche had used in the VK4501 
his unsuccessful attempt to win the production contract for the Tiger. The initial power plant was the Daimler-Benz MB509 gasoline engine, an adaptation of Germany's largest displacement inverted V12 aircraft engine, the Daimler-Benz DB603, and later changed to the Daimler-Benz MB517 diesel engine. This drove an electrical generator, and their combined length occupied the central and rear two-thirds of the mouse's hole, cutting off the forward driver's compartment in the hole from direct access to the turret from within the tank. Good Lord. You know, there's bombs dropping all over Berlin. Yeah. And they're like, we need a lot of steel. A lot of steel. We're going to need tons of, we're going to need big motors. We're why they're designing this. The incredible this. thing is, this is the same concept that today's train locomotives use. The really? Diesel, diesel electric. Oh. So they use the diesel engines to generate power to. To the electric. Yeah. Oh, we, you know what? So thank it's, God, it's, yeah, it's thank got God a Russ is a train guy too. <laughs> Each 1.1 meter wide track, which used the same basic contact shoe, and connector link design format as the Henschel built Tiger II was driven by its own electric motor mounted within the upper rear area of each hole side. Each set of tracks had a suspension design containing a total of 24 road wheels per side in six bogey sets staggered to be spread over the entire width of the track. Due to the return run of the uniquely 110 centimeter wide tracks, used being completely enclosed within the fixed outer side armor panels that defined its overall hole width with the inner vertical lengthwise walls of the hole used to mount the suspension components. A narrow lengthwise tub remained between the hole's inner armored walls under and to the rear of the turret to house the engine and generator of the tank's powertrain. The armor was substantial, the hull front was 220 millimeters or 8.7 inches thick. The sides and rear of the hull were up to 190 millimeters or 7.5 inches thick. That's insane. It is. It's just, that's, that's crazy. Eight inches, almost what? Yeah, almost nine, nine inches of armor, armor in the front. Good Lord. I know. The turret armor was even thicker. The turret front was up to 240 millimeters or 9.4 inches thick. And the sides and rear were 200 millimeters or 7.9 inches thick. The gun mantlet was 250 millimeters or 9.8 inches thick. And combined with the turret armor behind, the protection level at that section was even higher. The initial plan for the mouse was for the prototype to have been completed by mid-1943 with monthly production scheduled to run at 10 vehicles per month after delivery of the prototype. The work on the mouse would be divided between Krupp, responsible for the chassis, armament and turret, and Alcott, who would be responsible for final assembly. The so so they're going to burn 10 of these out a month. And we're kicking out Shermans, and, and the Soviets are kicking out T-34s, you know, know. one a second or whatever exactly. it was. Exactly. Uh, that's insane. It is. You know, they're like, well, you know, in a year we would have a, you know, a huge army of these mouse. The mouse tank was originally designed to weigh approximately 100 tons and be armed with a 128 millimeter main gun and a 75 millimeter coaxial secondary gun. So their <laughs> secondary gun is what most Shermans have. Exactly. That that's for for just the little paps. Man, oh. incredible. Uh, that's insane. 
All right. Tell me more about this monster. Additional armament options were studied, including various versions of 128mm, 150mm, and 170mm guns. In January 1943, Hitler himself insisted that the armament be a 128mm main gun with a coaxial 75mm gun. The 128mm Pac-44 anti-tank field artillery piece of 1943 that Krupp adapted for arming the mouse as the camp wagon canon KWK-44 retained in parallel to the Porsche project. Its original anti-tank family designation of Pac-44 when mounted in the casemate-style Jagdtiger tank destroyer. By May 1943, a wooden mock-up of the final mouse configuration was ready and presented to Hitler, who approved it for mass production, ordering a first series of 150. At this point, the estimated weight of the mouse was 188 tons. Oh, man. 188 tons. Just incredible. However, there is a story that concerns the main armament of the mouse being changed by Hitler, who said that the 128mm gun looked like a toy gun when compared to the tank, causing the 108mm to be replaced by a 150mm gun. So at first he says, nope, you're going to use the 128. You know, that's what we want. Then he gets a wooden mock-up of it and goes, no, 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 uh, let's change it to the 150. What, what, what a genius. Calling a 128 millimeter gun a toy. Oh, no, 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 we need a bigger and longer gun. I wonder what Dr. Sigmund Freud would say. Oh, you uh, have a small gun and you want the bigger gun? <laughs> you, you know what, you guys can figure that one out on your own. I do know what Heinz Kaderian wrote in his book, Panzerleader. On 1st May, at a wooden model of the mouse, a tank project of Porsche and Coop uh, was shown to Hitler. It was intended to mount a 150mm gun. The total weight of the tank was supposed to reach 175 tons. It should be considered that after the design changes on Hitler's instructions, the tank will weigh 200 tons. The model didn't have a single machine gun for close combat, and for this reason I had to reject it. It had the same design flaw that made the Elephant unsuitable for close combat. In the end, the tank was inevitably have to wage a close combat type fighting, since it operates in cooperation with infantry. An intense debate started, and except for me, all of the present found the mouse magnificent. It was promising to be exactly that, a giant. You know, here's Heinz Guderian, the tank guy, and he's going, saying, this is, this is terrible. This is a terrible idea. You're, you're, you're going to... Send it towards the front, but if it's in mud, it's going to sink. And if it sinks, there's nothing that we make that's going to pull it out. <laughs> and, and it doesn't even have a machine gun, you know. So, you know, what's the weakness of every tank? Yeah. Letting the infantry get up close, you know, to yeah. blow your tracks off. Yeah. Can you imagine? Well, okay, I don't think they could have blown this thing's tracks off. <laughs> but, you know, just, you know, there's a trench warfare and you're sending in you're like we need to break through but it's been raining and it's mud and this thing sinks all the way to it's you're not gonna get this baby out exactly exactly hey go get the pickup and hook it up to the back (laughs) and we'll just jerk it right out of the mud no 
No, this thing is stuck. And what happens when a tank is out in the middle, stuck in the mud? Your airplanes are going to destroy it. Your artillery is going to destroy it. He sees all this and says, this is a terrible idea. Just a terrible yeah, idea. Kind of reminds you of the huge World War I tanks. They started using, you know, the heavy tanks in World War One. Exactly. Was just the, the Mark series tanks and everything. I yeah. Mean, those were just huge. And I mean. Well, but I'll even excuse that for the simple fact that that was the beginning. Yeah, it was the beginning of you know, armored warfare, yeah. You know, they're yeah. like, okay, we've got armored cars yeah. and we've got these lightweight tanks, yeah. but we're going to need something to punch through the but trenches. Once again, you got to go back to Hitler and his bigger is better concept, I guess. I, I, I don't know. I, that's the only thing I can think of. That, again, we, we, we turned that all over to Dr. Freud. I, yeah. I want it big and long. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Remember, we're uh, we're all ages show here, so let's continue. <laughs> Russ, go ahead. The working mouse prototypes remained at Kummersdorf after being tested at Boblingen. Mouse Vehicle 2 was ordered to Wunsdorf to protect the high command. Probably Vehicle 1 was ordered there too as support for the Vehicle 2 if it drove into the mud or to help with driving through rivers where it would have served as generator unit for Vehicle 2. Vehicle 2 ended at the Hinnensburg Platz in front of the bunker Maybach, where it was destroyed by placing charges in the engine and fighting compartments. And because it had ammunition stowed under the turret, it was damaged more extensively than Vehicle 1, with the turret being more or less intact. The mouse Vehicle 1 did not reach this area. After the war, the Soviet commander of armored and mechanized troops ordered the hull of Vehicle 1 to be mated with the turret of Vehicle 2. The Soviets used six German FAMO-built 18-ton German half-tracks, the largest half-track vehicles that Germany built in the war years, to pull the 55-ton turret off of the destroyed hull. The combined Vehicle 1 hull and Vehicle 2 turret vehicle was completed in Germany and sent back to the USSR for further testing. It arrived there on May 4, 1946, and when further testing was completed, the vehicle was taken over by the Kabinka Tank Museum for storage, where it is now on display. So when you see the actual mouse, uh, and we're using the two tanks, Vehicle 1, Vehicle 2. So Vehicle 2 still had a fairly decent turret. So they put it on Vehicle 1, which I believe didn't have a turret, and made it, made a mouse. Yeah. They pieced it together. And you can still go see that thing. We need to get to that museum Oh, someday. I know. Just incredible. I can't even imagine the history there. Uh, if you ever had a chance to go see that Kabinka Tank Museum, but like I said, we've got to get to that Kabinka Tank Museum someday. Yes. But we are still waiting on Vladimir Putin to give us a call uh, on the T-14 that we want to send to Bovington. Heck Yeah. So if you know Mr. Putin, uh, tell him to, you know to listen in, tune into the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> okay, yeah, I know we're wishing. <laughs> All right, well, well, Russell, I guess that takes us to our second point, and that's the rat. The rat, yeah. Uh, okay, tell us about this tank. The Land Cruiser P one thousand Rat was a design for a 1,000-ton tank for use by Nazi Germany during World War II that may have been proposed by Krupp director Edward Grote in June 1942, who had already named it 
the Land Cruiser. Submitted designs and drawings of the vehicle went under the names High Command Off Treg NR30404 and the E-30404-1, which were presented in December 1942. The tank was planned to be 1,000 tons, being far heavier than the Panzer VIII Mouse, the heaviest tank ever built, weighing 188 tons. The project gained the approval of Adolf Hitler, who had expressed interest in the development of the tank, but was canceled by the Minister of Armaments, Albert Speer, in early 1943. Okay, now I can't make fun of the mouse anymore. Okay, <laughs> uh, the mouse is a real tank. The, they really built it. There's one on display at the Tank Museum in uh, Russia. Hitler uh, wanted a bigger tank, so he built this rat that was going to weigh a thousand Oh my Christmas. God. Uh, uh, so, so Hitler says build this, but old Spear says nope. Nope. <laughs> Even he knew it was a dumb idea. This thing couldn't cross the best bridge. I, I don't think it crossed the oh, bridges we yeah. got today. It probably couldn't even afford it to dang a river if it had to. It probably would have sunk to the bottom in the mud and, what a horrible, and never found it. Well, Spear is like, nope, you can't have it. Nope, can't be done. <laughs> Russell, tell us about a little bit more about this rat. The development history of the rat originated with a 1941 strategic study of Soviet heavy tanks conducted by Krupp, the study also giving birth to the Panzer VIII Mouse super heavy tank. The study led to a suggestion from Krupp's director, Grote, a special officer for submarine construction, who on June 23, 1942, proposed to Adolf Hitler a 1,000-ton self-propelled gun, which he named the Land Cruiser. Hitler became enamored with Grote's concept and ordered Krupp to begin development of it in 1942. As of December 29, 1942, a few preliminary drawings had been completed, by which the time the concept had been named Rat by Hitler himself. He, he, he's sticking with the rodent names. <laughs> and he says, oh, it's bigger than a mouse. It's a gerbil? No, no, it's a rat. See how many Christmas. It's a guinea pig? Oh, oh well. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> what a freak. Lord almighty. Okay, I'm sorry, Russ, go ahead. I'm telling you, this guy had a... <laughs> Never mind. Uh, let's not okay. get into that. Okay. Albert Speer saw no reasonable use of the tank and canceled the project in 1943 before any prototype could be manufactured. Although this did lead to the concept of the Land Cruiser P-1500 Monster self-propelled siege gun, which would have been heavier than the Rat. The general idea for such a big tank was best summed up by Heinz Guderian, saying that Hitler's Fantasies sometimes shift into the gigantic. I think that probably says it the best. I think that explains <laughs> a lot. You know, somewhere in the corner, Guderian's like, oh, oh, no. Uh, uh. And Hitler's jumping up and down and going, oh, oh, oh I've got something bigger than the rat. We're going to use this 1500 monster. Wow. It's going to be a self propelled gun. Good Lord. You know, uh, an expert on the self-propelled guns is, is Craig Moore. I'm going to have to literally send him a message and say, Craig, w w was this 1500 monster even designed or was it a dis discussion? Uh, the rat. Yeah. Uh, okay. Bigger is not better, folks. Russ, I've never heard of this 
P-1500 monster self-propelled siege gun. What details do you have on this SPG? The P-1500 monster was to be 25 meters or 82 feet long, weighing 1,800 tons, with a 250 millimeter hull front armor, four Daimler Benz MB-501 diesel aero engines, and an operating crew of over 100 men. This land cruiser would have been a self-propelled platform for the 800mm Dora slash Shure Gustav K E gun artillery piece, also made by Krupp, the heaviest artillery weapon ever constructed by shell weight and total gun weight, and the largest rifle cannon by caliber. The Shure Gustav fired a 7-ton projectile up to 37 kilometers or 23 miles, and was designed for use against heavily fortified targets. The main armament could have been mounted without a rotating turret. Such a configuration would have allowed the P-1500 to operate in a similar manner to the original 800mm railroad gun and the Carl 600mm self-propelled mortars launching shells without engaging the enemy with direct fire. The P-1500's weakness to air attack, as the Allies had air supremacy from 1943 to 44 onward, this itself would mean it would have required a detachment of anti-aircraft vehicles as defense. In 1943, Albert Speer, the Minister for Armaments, canceled both the RAT and Monster projects. Wow. I had no idea about this B-1500 I monster. I had never heard of it either. I do know there was another super German heavy tank, and I think they made they started making it, and it was called the E-100. We're familiar with it because we play the uh, tank game uh, on PC, uh, the World of Tanks game, and they have the E100 in there. I guess this monster ended up turning up to our third point. I, I guess this is going to be the first time we've ever made a fourth point. Yeah. Um, tell me about this E100. The Panzerkampfwagen E100 was a German super heavy tank design developed towards the end of World War II. An assault gun variant was also proposed. By the end of the war, a single prototype chassis of the E-100 had been produced, and it was only partially completed. After the war, the prototype was shipped to the United Kingdom for trials, but was later scrapped. Okay, so there was the assault gun, or tank destroyer, which would have been the Jag E-100, and then the artillery piece would be the GW E100. Both are in the game. So this Jaggy 100, give us some more details if you have them. The basic design was ordered by the Waffenant as a parallel development to the Porsche Mouse in June 1943. It was the heaviest of the E-series of vehicles meant to standardize as many components as possible. The proposed designs were the E10, the E25, E-50, E-75, and finally the E-100. In March 1944, the Adler Company in Frankfurt submitted blueprints for a super-heavy tank called the E-100 after the tank was proposed in April 1943 along with the other E-series vehicles. According to the blueprints, the tank would be armed with both a 150mm gun and a 75mm gun. Two types of engines were proposed, one with a 700-horsepower Maybach HL-230, with a transmission and turning mechanism, borrowed from the Tiger II. The estimated top speed was about 23 kilometers per hour. The second variant would have a new 1,200-horsepower Maybach engine 
and a top speed estimated at 40 kilometers per hour. You know, for a super heavy with a 150 millimeter gun, that's pretty quick. Yeah, that is. Really is. The design had removable side skirts and narrow transport tracks to make rail transport more viable. This design was very similar to the original Tiger Mouse proposal, which had larger 900 millimeter diameter road wheels and a new spring-based suspension rather than the original torsion bars. A new turret was designed, intended to be simpler and lighter than the mouse turret. So basically, I'm going to research this Tiger Mouse, but I can't research it until Andrew Hill updates the excitement. Yeah, yeah. I'll read up on it yeah. and give you guys a deep detail. Yeah, we'll give you an update on it. And if you're wanting to know about the Tiger Mouse, uh, it'll be in Tank Psychopedia soon. Yeah. I know Andrew Hills is working on it. Permission was given to produce the tank based on the potential use of the E-100 as a tank destroyer with either a 15-centimeter Stuk L-63 or 17-centimeter Stuk L-53 gun. In July 1944, Hitler ordered the development of super-heavy tanks to stop. Work on the E-100 continued at a very low priority with only three Adler employees available to assemble the prototype. The first prototype was never fully completed and was found by the 751st Field Artillery Battalion of the American Forces in April 1945. Our artillery finds it, and they turn it over to the British. You know what? I hate to say it. This is one of the few times I wish the Soviets had got that. Yeah. Because they would at least send it back to Kabinka or, yeah. you know, ordered everybody to finish designing it and then ship it back. Mm-hmm. But uh, we turned it over to the British, and I, I Do we guess know if they still got it or if they... No, they scrapped it. They scrapped it. Scrapped it? Oh, yeah. I, I actually checked up on mm. that because I was like, man, wouldn't it be great to find yeah. the original frame Golly. and then maybe talk to some of our people and some of the tank museums mm. to say, listen, it's rusting out here. You know, Why don't you uh, go <laughs> ahead and piece it back together or make one? But nope, they, they scrapped it. Not blaming them. Yeah. You know, you know, they, they got it, but it was real. If they had more than three guys, they would have had a prototype like they did the uh, mouse. How cool would that be? Oh, wow. A real E100. Well, now I did some research on this uh, GW E100 uh, SPG artillery piece and found as part of the late war German effort to standardize and maximize the production of cheaper, more reliable tanks, the E-series consisted of six different tank weight classes uh, from which several specialized variants uh, were developed. Tell us about it, Russ. Orders had been given from as early as 1942 to commence the development of artillery wagons, which converted existing chassis to mount artillery guns. These two projects combined at the end of 1943 to yield the GW Type E artillery. Even though the GW Type E never got past the drawing board, it was nonetheless planned to have been based on the chassis of the heavy tank E-100. You know, they already had the chassis. Mm-hmm. So basically what's happening in Germany on this E-100, they ran out of time. The design would have potentially been armed with a varying choice of high caliber guns ranging from the 70mm K72L-50 gun to the Skoda 305mm GRW-L-16 gun. And like its earlier variants, would have had its armament mounted on the rail platform inside the hull, allowing it to be dismounted any time. It would be operated by a crew of eight, a commander, a driver, a gunner, radio operator, and four loaders, 
The typical sloped armor layout from late-war German tanks was included with a front-mounted transmission and reduced armor in comparison to the E-100. After World War II, the idea of mounting high-caliber guns on tanks was abandoned, with 155mm howitzers being the usual caliber for self-propelled artillery guns. What a great episode, Russell. Um, It's about time to start closing. I know this has ran a little long, but let's give those Patreon shout-outs that we were talking about. Yeah, we've actually got three new patrons this go-around, so we want to welcome them and Say thank you, huge thank you for your support. We want to th- welcome Riley at the Abrams level. Nice, thank you, Jacob. He's coming in at our Abrams level also. High five for you guys! Heck yeah. Also got Michael Kolb at our Stuart level. Awesome. Whatever you guys can spend exactly. is awesome. Oh man, it, it it makes a difference. It really does. If you knew our costs. Oh wow. Also want to thank Razbaz18. He's still with us at the Abrams level. And we got Evan. Antonio Banderas. Bernarda. Bernarda. Yeah. All right. He, which is very cool. Oh, yes. Thank you, Antonio. And then Slam Jamington. Yep. He's still with us. Alejandro Martinez is still with us. High five for him. Heck yeah. Uh, Long timer Bjorn Ben. Thank you, brother. ODS Zero. Boy, he's been with us for quite a while, too. Do we have to say Rick's name? Uh, I think we better say Rick's name. <laughs> Rick's been with us yes. from the beginning. We got mad love for Rick. Oh, thank you, Rick, man. Now, you were talking that it was this episode, episode 55, was going to be the American Veterans Day? It'll be released just before our Veterans Day. Just kind of wanted to thank our veterans, and without them, uh, we wouldn't be living in a free country to where we'd be able to even produce a podcast like this and put the information out we, there and could you imagine the negative stuff that we've said even about the american oh, government yeah. and taxpayer waste yeah. uh what we've said just our political views we couldn't do that i mean in some countries that could get us killed you know we're exactly. so grateful for what the veterans have done um even the ones that are serving right now exactly you know, like my uh, uh soon-to-be uh nephew-in-law Zaya, he was in South Korea. Yep. He's getting ready to come home. They're getting ready to kick his release papers and everything. I'm wow. like, are you sure you don't want to stay oh. in driving an M1 Abrams oh, tank? Oh, I know. And uh, he sent us some really cool video yeah. that we really can't post. Oh. I'm like, hey, isn't that some kind of computer <laughs> stuff? That He goes, oh, no, no, don't post this. This is just for you, brother. And I'm like, you're the man. Oh, wow. But anybody that says the M1 Abrams tank hasn't been updated or I'm telling you, there is so much about that tank that I'd love to tell you. If you catch me near your town, pull me in, buy me a beer and I will spill my guts. I know. But yeah, we, like we said, we want to thank all of our veterans and without them, we wouldn't have a lot of things that we have in our country today. Absolutely. So thank you again. Uh, We dedicate this episode to you guys. I hate to say this. But uh, I think that's the end of the show. I think so. Well, signing off, this is Charlie. And this is Russell. As always, happy tanking and have a great week. <laughs>